Alice Onlin and Herbert Konings are founding partners of Security Token Group. All opinions expressed by them or guests on this podcast are solely their opinions and do not represent the views of Security Token Group or its subsidiaries. You should not take any opinion expressed on the show as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow any investment strategy. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Hello, everyone, and thanks for tuning in to the final episode of the year of the Security Token Show. We're coming to you from our studio in sunny Miami, Florida. I'm your host, Herwin Konings, and with me, as always, is my co-host and business partner, Kyle Sondland. And we took a little holiday break last week, as you might have noticed, which means lots of news and a comprehensive overview of the security token industry's progress for 2020 later. But we can't get to that unless we first cover the latest industry news, security token offerings, and market trading activity. That is right. But we can't get started without first thanking our sponsor for making the security token show possible. And that sponsor is INX. If you did not know, INX is the first ever SEC-registered tokenized IPO. The company has filed with the SEC to allow for retail and accredited investor participation into a regulated exchange for cryptocurrencies, security tokens, and derivatives. The firm is currently in the midst of its own token sale, selling INX tokens directly, but it's also just announced the acquisition of STO platform Open Finance Network. This is the first offering of its kind as the firm has worked diligently with the SEC to allow for participation from investors all over the world and the fundraise is currently live so if you want to read more or do additional research on what the firm is building and how it will impact the traditional financial system you can find out more information or invest directly through inx.co we're also going to have more on them later But to dig right into it, we always kick off our show by first covering our Company of the Week awards, where we award two companies for making the biggest moves in the industry over the past week. And so one last time for the year, Herwig, everyone who won this year is going to be in the running for our choice of Company of the Year next week. So without further ado, who do you got for your last pick of 2020? Well, my last pick of the year is actually one that has recently surfaced on our radar, Kyle. So a few weeks ago, a company called CurrencyWorks, that's my company of the week, was chosen by the FACT, that's the F-A-C-T, which chose the firm to help them develop an art authentication blockchain to help prevent against a forgery market and, of course, help track the ownership of art. Now, the company has officially claimed the title of the company of the week for episode 74 for working with Canadian Securities Exchange and Odyssey Trust to create a security token reporting system. So this means that now a unique security token can be associated with each issuer on the CSE that opts into the blockchain platform, enabling Odyssey Trust to provide issuers with enhanced reporting information and improved transfer agent services. So the blockchain reporting system will run parallel to the existing clearing and settlement services for CSE issuers. And CurrencyWorks is the one to provide various integration services, as well as the testnet and the smart contracts platform, which will be used to, of course, test and validate the process of issuing security tokens on the blockchain. So Richard Carlton, the CEO of Canadian Securities Exchange, said, quote, the CSE is committed to leading international exchange markets in the listing and trading of regulated security tokens. And we are pleased to be collaborating with the Currency Works and Odyssey Trust to support the infrastructure enabling security token offerings in Canada. And we've seen tremendous interest in the security tokens among both existing and potential CSE issuers, end quote. So for pioneering the industry with the Canadian Securities Exchange, alongside other industries like an art, 
Currency work wins my company of the week, Kyle. I think that's a great choice. That's fascinating and exciting to see that the regulators in Canada are so excited and thoughtful in how they're taking that approach. Big moves for the security token industry in Canada. Indeed, Kyle. Very big. So turning our attention to my final pick for the Security Token Show Company of the Week for 2020, I want to look at Ava Labs, a company that was just in the news recently for a partnership with Securitize for Asset Tokenization. But now the company has announced a new token structure that caught my eye, litigation financing. Through the company's Avalanche platform, investors can now invest in fractionalized shares of a litigation, actually funding a lawsuit and then earning the rewards after the suit settles. So in a press release, Ava Labs provided an example from leading litigation fund called LexShares, which has generated a return after fees and expenses of 52% since 2014 across over 100 individual lawsuits. So essentially, you fund this lawsuit as a upfront, and then you get the exposure on the back end for the share that you, you put up. So for developing a fascinating use case for tokenization and taking the proper compliant approach, working with tokenization providers that are focused on the regulatory compliance standards like Securitize, in their development, I wanted to give Ava Labs my company of the week. That's a great choice, Kyle. You know, obviously, uh, that's a big deal in, in order to work with a crowdfunding platform or fund, in this case, like LexShares, to already have an existing investor base and already have access to a bunch of deals. And now, through Ava Labs, they'll be able to bring the benefit of liquidity to this asset class, which is, of course, never before seen. And a great example because via crowdfunding, it was you know nearly impossible to get access to litigation financing in the first place without it. So great, great choice, Kyle. It's just the great work, Ava Labs. Absolutely. Super cool. Just one of those really interesting security token use cases you just might not think of right off the bat. And if it can generate that kind of return for an investor, it's, it's a great investable opportunity. Absolutely. Now, let's get into the news. But before I do, I want you all to know that all the articles that we cover on this show, they are sourced from stomarket.com slash news. And it's also available for reference in the about description of the podcast and whatever you're listening to from. Or you can always go to the Security Token Show Medium blog whenever you want to read the news we discuss here on the show yourself. So kicking things off, we have the British Standards Institution, or the BSI, that's one of the UK's national standards bodies, announcing that they recently published the security token specification, which they claim to be one of the sector's first cross-chain standards for security tokens. So the specification is called PAS19668 and was sponsored by blockchain advisory firm QRC and included a steering group that included the London Stock Exchange Group, on-chain custodian, tokeny, Blockstream, Bitco, Prime Trust, and numerous others. So the PAS19668 sets out the requirements for security token properties and specifics how to structure and present information publicized by token issuers across any distributed ledger. It also enables users to search across different blockchain networks for tokens with particular properties. For example, an individual looking to purchase tokens could filter security tokens based on attributes such as investor classification requirements, giving some tokens may only be available to accredited investors, for example, right? And so although PAS 19688 is an individual country standard, it is targeted at both British and international security token issuers. There's a standard with a different scope in the work as well. And for doing this, you know, I have to commend everyone involved and especially the BSI and the QRC for sponsoring this work because security token adoption can only happen with uniform information for participants and for cross-border transactions. So sharing the right information over the blockchain is even more important. So great, great job, BSI. And neighboring nearby on the mainland, 
Germany made a big move towards defining security tokens and the use of blockchain for allowing all electronic securities to be recorded using blockchain technology. So there's a major move and follows the efforts of several other countries that have already been implementing similar language, most notably Switzerland. And this means that instead of relying on a paper registry or an electronic one, you know, they can now include blockchain-based digital registries uh, you know, to use for administration and managing the ownership of securities in Germany. So let's hope other countries follow in their lead given Germany's economic might and status in the world. And over in Hong Kong, the first virtual asset trading platform has been granted a license by regulators to go live. So the SFC approved firm OSL Digital Securities, which intends to support Bitcoin, Ethereum, and security tokens, according to their announcement, receiving the license. And that's great news as Hong Kong's crypto and security token scene starts to heat up, and HK is a leading Asian financial center that could leverage security tokens for increased market efficiencies and better access to other jurisdictions and investors across Asia. So this is really, really a big deal. And over in the US, we have some disclosure activity with the SEC. It appears that leading US exchange Coinbase has filed to go public through an IPO. Now this is a big deal as it forces the SEC to approve a legitimate company that supports crypto exchange services, essentially meaning that they will support these markets, which regulators have shown that they do intend to do so. We'll share more on that if there is you know, any more updates from the SEC on their filing given the potential controversy. And next, the SEC, we have to get into a, another major update from them, likely one that you may have already heard, but let's dig into it a bit. Ripple, the firm behind, at the time, the third largest cryptocurrency in the world by market cap called XRP, was hit by a lawsuit by the SEC that they ran unregistered security sales for XRP. Now, this is something that we've actually been long talking about on the show, given that there is already private lawsuits for the same reason that have formed into class action lawsuits against Ripple. And more interestingly, the SEC named two key executives, founder Chris Larson and CEO Brad Garlinghouse, in the lawsuit as well, meaning they themselves may face penalties and repercussions. So here's the deal, you know, go listen to episode eight of our podcast and you'll get the full breakdown of why this is a big deal. Episode eight is when our main topic is quite literally, I'm not making this up, how Ripple could define STOs, where we talk about how XRP being labeled a security by the SEC could force the regulators to clearly distinguish between security tokens and crypto assets. And that day might finally be here now that the SEC has officially gone after the firm. And not surprisingly, the price of XRP has since tanked more than 30% and major investors like Grayscale are dumping their positions while exchanges like Coinbase are delisting the product. So not good news for Ripple, but potentially great news for the security token industry as people realize further what constitutes securities in the first place. And the SEC is closing the year strong because they announced two more ICO resolutions. The first from ShipChain, which did a $27 million ICO raise in 2017, and they are now paying a $2 million fine and offering investor refunds. And the other ICO is Tyrion, which did a $25 million ICO and must pay a $250,000 penalty fine. So to read more about those cases, check out the articles in the description. And then the SEC also gave the security token industry a little holiday gift to end the year. Basically, they came out and said that anyone supporting custody and trading services for digital securities, aka broker-dealers, won't get enforcement action against them for at least 
five years, meaning that they trust the industry to figure it out. So it's positive news for the whole security token industry because previously there was a lot of confusion on the matter. We even did a whole episode on it, episode 63 of the show. So you can find all our main topic clips on YouTube exclusively so you don't need to listen to all the news too from an older episode if you're interested. And moving into company announcements, we have Signum Bank from Switzerland, which also has a tokenization platform of its own called Designate. And last week, they said that they are the world's first bank to tokenize their shares and that they are planning a future public offering, which includes a potential dual listing across Switzerland and Singapore in partnership with the SIX Digital Exchange. So that's a great use case for tokenization to bridge two regions and their markets. It's exciting stuff, and I always like to see companies eat their own dog food too. So Switzerland is definitely continuing to prove itself a leader in the industry. And over in the US, we saw the Boston Security Token Exchange, which is a joint venture by Box Group and T0, attempting to become a national exchange in the US powered by the blockchain and unfortunately not succeeding. So the company announced that the SEC has again not approved their application, but this isn't the first time and it won't be the last because I know the firm will continue to reapply and work with the regulators to get this innovation approved. So hopefully they have more luck next year. And large Japanese investment bank SBI has announced that they have integrated Securitize into its institutional crypto wallet solution. So this means that SBI customers can use Securitize issued securities in the app, the easiest way to manage securities to date. Not surprisingly, given that SBI invested in Securitize, that this happened, but we more importantly show that the bank's activism in the scene, you know, which is very hot in Japan. So keep an eye on SBI. And you know, Curio Invest, also out of Switzerland, by the way, has made the next milestone in expanding into a fully fledged DeFi platform. So now they launched the Capital Dex, which is a decentralized token exchange on the Ethereum network, similar to other popular decentralized exchange Uniswap, but has integrated security and compliance procedures for security token holders and obviously supports Curio products like their tokenized Ferrari. And now they have a DAO, a Dex, and security tokens. It's a beautiful merger between decentralized and centralized finance. Hopefully we'll get some news about more token projects soon from them next year. And Akimona, a regulated crowdfunding platform here in the US, has announced their public test of their digital securities fundraising portal. It's a public beta for six weeks, so anyone can go to akimona.com and check it out. Presumably they're gonna launch officially short, you know, shortly afterwards. And Singapore's Propine, which is a tokenization platform and digital asset custody provider, has announced last week that they now support compliance solutions on the Zilliqa blockchain. Zilliqa has recently been turning to support security tokens and is seeing adoption in the East, such as the SHHG exchange, which is also in Singapore, which chose to support them too earlier this year. And CoinStreet Partners, which is a global investment banking group, has announced a strategic partnership with ECXX, that's a, another security token exchange in Singapore. And this means the firm will likely bring their investors and issuers to the ECXX platform, an important relationship with the developing security token world. So CoinStreet can leverage its international reach to bridge the Singaporean market through ECXX. So it makes perfect sense. It's great stuff. And moving into our resources and opinions section, we are pleased to announce that Baxter Hines' new book, Digital Finance, Security Tokens, and Unlocking the Real Potential of Blockchain is officially out. So it's a comprehensive overview of security tokens and the opportunity for capital markets. And I highly recommend this to anyone who is looking to learn more and gain a good understanding of the technology. I've even brought, bought it as a, you know, a Christmas gift for some folks already. And of course, it is Kyle's blessing because he is quoted in the praise section on the back. Yep. 
And next, we have an article called Blockchain and Real Estate, What's Next in Tech Innovation? And the Commercial Property Executive article written by Anka Gorkwich does a deep dive on the real estate and blockchain and how it benefits. So if you're into real estate, definitely give this one a read. And on Cointelegraph, STO Box wrote a nice article about how companies can support the changing regulations around the world. And of course, they argue security tokens are the future. But I don't think anyone is surprised hearing that from a security token issuance company. And Dealbox also wrote a nice article summarizing 2020's progress, noting some major indicators like the regulatory changes and the new projects that launched like Arca and other stable coins. What's their ultimate point? That the security token industry is going to explode in 2020, 2021, and we completely agree, of course. And I also attended virtually the Curzio Research Security Token Summit, which was an incredible event, I think. Frank Curzio, the CEO, gave a total breakdown of why security tokens will fundamentally change capital markets and why now is the best time to understand and participate in this new digital instrument all without getting into the blockchain technicals. So really, really nice to be able to be engaged the whole time for this. And you can go to the website anytime to check it out. The recap, it's in the link, of course, in our links section. So that's the full rundown from the last two weeks for you all. Kyle, what's going on with the latest security token offerings? All right. Our first update comes from upcoming security token trading platform and this week's sponsor, INX, which has officially confirmed its first three security token listings. We've covered some small press release announcements before, but now we have the official confirmation of the first three. Those three listings will be Wave Financial's Kentucky Whiskey Fund on the NEM, block, NEM symbol network, or NEM blockchain's symbol network, excuse me, real estate company ClickOwn AG on the Stellar Network, and Pixelmatic's gaming project Infinite Fleet on the Bitcoin Liquid Network. And so we've actually covered each of these three security tokens on the show before during their initial fundraise period. So you can know that whenever you're listening to the show, you're catching up, you're getting everything here first. And now it's great to see that they've actually been successful with those offerings and they're planning to list once the INX marketplace goes live. So as a reminder, the Kentucky Whiskey Fund is that one that represents up to 20,000 whiskey casks held in the Wilderness Trail Distillery, allowing for fractionalized ownership through owning a wave financial fund that owns the individual casks of whiskey as they appreciate in value from distillation through the aging process. ClickOwn AG is that real estate tokenization platform that conducted a security token offering for a digital bond for a building located in Germany. You may remember it. It's called the Historical Luneburg. The firm raised one and a half million euros for a security token offering targeting around a 5% annual return for that debt offering. And then finally, Infant Fleet. Infinite Fleet is a security token representing a profit share via the company Exordium Limited, which is the publisher behind the video game Infinite Fleet. And so it's fascinating to see all of these tokens that are going to be listed are actually on different blockchains, as I mentioned, right? We've got NEM blockchain, their symbol network. We've got Stellar, and then we've got um, that additional one from... Uh, and the final one from the Bitcoin Liquid Network. So it's interesting because none of these are Ethereum, which is the currently most commonly used blockchain for security token issuance. So I can't wait to track these tokens on the secondary market. And I do think this is fantastic news from INX. Also, as a side note, INX also announced a sneak peek into their trading platform ahead of their March 2021 scheduled launch, according to the company itself. So the demo only enables mock trading of a few cryptos, but it does give an inside look into how the platform will look and feel. So you can check out that public demo at demo.trading.inx.co. I also got a, that March 2021 target time is actually pretty exciting as well. 
And next up, we actually have another great announcement regarding a successfully closed security token offering, this time from Swiss-based ArtID through issuance platform Stalker. So ArtID, another security token that we've covered on the show before, it's a blockchain platform that just like Herwig's company of the week is aiming to provide more transparency to the art world to prevent fraud by creating digital representations of the artwork on chain and tracking that certificate as the asset changes hands. In this way, a full catalog of art can be managed digitally and the firm has completed a 1 million euro fundraise via a security token, which enables owners up to 10% of the firm's yearly revenue minus taxes or 2%, 2.5% of the issuance price per issuance per year, depending on whichever is higher. So the closing was confirmed by Stalker via Twitter a few days ago, and congrats to everyone involved for another successful security token offering. And into our new STO section, our first piece of news comes from Liberty Equity Management LLC, a real estate fund management firm who recently selected Cayman Islands-based Stonegate Global Fund Services in partnership with Miami Tech leader Securitize to provide full-service fund structuring, administration, and tokenization services for the world's first net lease security token fund. So the firm describes that structure as a, quote, corporate bond wrapped in real estate and their portfolio seems to be focused on high value cash flow positive commercial real estate but there wasn't really much else in the press release regarding their exact details there but it looks like liberty is a new fund manager and we'll be on the lookout for their investment thesis and more detail on the terms of how they want to deploy that capital and it wouldn't be another episode of the podcast if we didn't include the newest realty property on sale, this time with 9717 Evitts Street in Detroit, which is another single-family home valued at around 60000 paying nearly 11% in interest per year. This is a very similar property to many of the other ones that I've covered on the show over the last few weeks, but it is important to note that pretty much all the other ones sell out immediately. So many of the ones that we've covered in the past few weeks are fully sold out until they list on the secondary market in the coming months months after the lockup has expired. So great work from Realty again, getting another property out there and continuing their success. For our market update section, we've got one article this time Again, from the security token industry's favorite author, Omar Faridi, who covered our real estate market report in detail, providing great exposure to our research and summarizing many of the main points very well. So I wanted to give another shout out to him for doing the great work as he continues to do to help the industry grow and stay in the mainstream. So thanks again, Omar and Crowdfund Insider for their coverage. And then we go into the market update over the past two weeks. As always, all of the news and pricing data is sourced from stlmarket.com. And when we look at the security token market cap over the last two weeks versus where it was before, we're actually up 10% from the last episode to around $390 million. So it's a great way to close out the year as Overstock finally rebounds from its price crash up 24% in the last two weeks. So at a price of around 46 bucks, Overstock's tokenized shares are actually very close to the price of the common stock, closing that gap that was widening over the last month or so, which is great to see as it shows that the markets are following the standard efficient market hypothesis, but its trading volumes are still much lower than the activity we saw during the summer, which is still kind of a bummer. Unfortunately, overstock success didn't quite trickle down to T0, which is down again this week, dipping under three bucks from a high of over eight just a few months ago. 
Other than that, it was another light week this week as real estate averaged around a 1% loss without much activity. There was some price changes across other tokens that might be notable, but many of them have such tiny volumes that the price movements are, are really difficult to judge without any level of certainty until they build a consistent market for those assets. So with that coverage, I do think it's time to dig into a pretty fun main topic this week where we cover some of the highlights of the security token industry across 2020. What a way to end the year, Kyle. I mean, digital securities and cryptos all going up, except for XRP, of course. <laughs> but yeah, what a year it's been. 2020 suffered from corona, but it didn't impede the security token industry. I mean, perhaps it even helped. So where do we even begin? I mean, a lot happened this year to systematically move the industry to the next phase, but we're live, we're trading, we're growing, and the regulation is singing our tune. It makes me so excited for next year. Yeah, no. Well, maybe, I mean, the best place to begin is with regulation. So around the world, you know, crypto is forcing governments to also recognize security tokens and many financial markets are tackling things differently. So globally, actually, we reported recently that over 15 countries have defined security tokens with now Germany just jumping in before the end of the year here. Uh, that's huge because you know investors and infrastructure need to have clarity when it comes to what is allowed with blockchain and tokenization. For securities, the best approach has been to allow the use of a blockchain for ownership tracking instead of paper certificates or simply electronic registries. Still, this doesn't typically remove the central parties that are sort of made redundant in the financial regulation, but it does bring forth the ability to support security tokens with the existing financial infrastructure. So some countries even went ahead and defined specific Specifically, what security tokens are, typically clarifying that they are the same as traditional securities and must adhere to securities regulations. And there are some other notable improvements too. For example, the SEC was really busy this year. Yeah, that's absolutely right. They have been really busy. And as we reported last year, they were actually seeking feedback from the market on how to improve. And now this year, they delivered. I think the biggest one of all has to be the regulation CF change. So instead of being limited to just raising $1 million from anyone in the US, regardless of accredited investor status, you can actually now raise up to $5 million, which is a much more feasible number if you're going to pursue a crowdfunding campaign. They also increased the Reg A plus from 50 to 75. And I'm not sure why anyone would complain with a higher cap there either. Oh, totally agree. That one definitely takes the cake, especially because they cited our industry response letter that we submitted, sponsored by Security Token Group, our parent company, for one of the reasons as to why they increased it in the first place. The SEC listened, folks. That's so awesome. And they did some other stuff too, like expanding the definition of accredited investors to include RIAs and investment advisors, but they also loosened the rules on finders fees to non-registered security advisors. And obviously, you mentioned earlier that they won't go after broker-dealer marketplaces for security tokens for five years in regards to the rules regarding custody management, which was complicated due to the current regulatory structure. Yeah, and five years is a long time. And again, this was the SEC listening to the industry and responding positively to address the issue. And moving on, we're, we're seeing activity on the Federal Reserve side and also from the banks, right? Central bank digital currencies are now officially a thing as China has already rolled their digital wand completely out in the country. And the SCA team did some research to identify that over 50 central banks are now exploring, testing, or full-on rolling out CBDCs either with blockchain technology or distributed ledger technology, or in some cases, not at all. And that's, of course, in line with the rise of stable coins and digital dollars. Yeah, we can't forget that stable coins now represent over 20 billion tokenized dollars. So, I mean, banks are rushing into this big time. And 2020 has made it clear that tokenized money is a big deal and it's here to stay. 
Tokenized securities are just as big, if not bigger, and people are obviously starting to note that too as a result. And we can't forget our most recent article from the Security Token Advisors desk either, which identified that of the top 100 largest banks in the world, 39 of them are working on security tokens or blockchain applications. And of the top 10 largest of them, seven were also uh, exploring projects, which means we've got some serious interest from the biggest asset managers in the world, folks. The proof is in the pudding, I would say, but what are the major things happened this year in your eye, Herwig? What, what really caught you on? I know we worked with some great clients this year. I mean, definitely. I think the fact that our client, Curzio Research, was able to successfully become the first US tokenized company in the world to trade on a foreign exchange. Uh, I think that's a big accomplishment. Mm -hmm. We also saw a number of major issuers enter into the space. We saw Consensus acquire the Quorum blockchain technology platform from JP Morgan and announce a major initiative into municipal bonds. And tons of new players joining in too, right? Some notables are Shareable Asset and Propine from Singapore. There's Mountex in Mexico, uh, Akimono here in the US. Uh, a few new platforms partnered with Securitize, Solange in Japan. I remember we got Max Crowdfund in Germany starting to do deals. And of course, my company of the week, uh, this week, Currency Works, is another great example. I mean, I'm sure there are more that I'm even forgetting too. What about you, Kyle? You know, what are some notable companies that you saw? I wanted to highlight the fat brand securitization transactions that were rated by Morningstar, which is a big deal, especially because the blockchain integration actually led to a higher rating for the debt product. So also you got Figure doing the largest HELOC securitization since 2008 using a blockchain-based loan portfolio. I mean, that's a pretty big feat. I was also excited and impressed with Republic, who launched the Republic Note, which is a security token backed by the crowdfund crowdfunding platform's portfolio of hundreds of equities. The investment was completely oversubscribed. The firm raised nearly double their intended hard cap, closing almost 20 million US dollars for their asset. And then the other exciting development we surely can't leave off the list is the INX IPO. The crypto exchange received regulatory approval to conduct a regulated security token offering via the SEC for anybody in any retail investors around the world, which is a tremendous sign for the SEC's openness with the technology in the future. Oh, definitely. And, and this is clearly a momentous year. While we could list amazing news all day, I think we can top it off with some secondary market action, right? So Kyle, you're the markets guy. Give us the breakdown. So as we turn our attention to the secondary market and we look at the performance over 2020, we first have to look at the development of the industry. At the beginning of the year, we were only looking at two live marketplaces. We had T0 and Open Finance with six live tokens total. On top of that, there wasn't really a ton of regulatory approvals happening for ATS licenses, which is that key license required to actually facilitate the trading of securities. So the climate here in the US did not look incredibly inclusive for new players. But over the last 12 months, there's definitely been plenty of progress on that front in addition to international players who have entered the foray. Right, right. I mean, just to summarize the progress on that front really quickly, I know we've seen new U.S.-based options receive uh, ATS approvals like Texture Capital, North Capital, Securitized Markets, and, and Rialto Markets, with you know additional firms like INX jumping in through their acquisition uh, with Open Finance, right? And we've got international players like iStocks, NExchange, and others already launching with dozens more receiving approval in jurisdictions around the world. I know uh, Singapore fired off at least half a dozen this year. 
Uh, we expect them all more or less to be live next year in 2021. So for just from an inf infrastructure perspective, the secondary market has developed tremendously, I think, from where we were compared to the beginning of the year. Yeah, there was another significant player that entered the security token foray in 2020, which was the decentralized exchange Uniswap, which offers a much right. cheaper option for issuers using the Ethereum blockchain to list their token and provide liquidity for the investors. So it's while it's not regulated in any jurisdiction to trade securities, the platform offered an innovative solution to leverage atomic swapping technology to allow users to trade any Ethereum-based token, which combined with an issuer-managed whitelist did allow for an easier path to liquidity for smaller cap issuers, which is exactly what firms like Realty, Mount Pelerin, and IM Labs were able to leverage. Yeah, T0 and Uniswap represented the majority of trading tokens, right? Market cap and volume for, for the entire industry, you know, which actually grew, I believe, five times over the course of the year. So the market opened at just under 60 million, but with the addition of the monster overstock digital dividend in May, along with the listing of Aspen Coin, the new assets listed on the T0 marketplace certainly drove the market cap higher towards that half a billion dollar mark here as we close out the year. So each of the T0 listed tokens performed incredibly well this year. The overstock digital dividend, I think, went up nearly 300% since listening in May. And T-Zero's own token saw a strong 130% rise over the last 12 months. Uh, those numbers aren't the only highlights, of course, as T-Zero drove over $50 million in trading volume over the year through its three tokens. That's 10 times growth in trading volume from 2019, folks, showing that, you know, this is investors are, are getting more and more active than ever before. You're absolutely right. T-Zero has done a fantastic job bringing institutional activity to their platform, which in turn drives adoption of blockchain and security token technology on a massive scale. However, that one criticism directed at T0 is a consistent thing that we've been saying on the podcast since the very first few episodes, which is the lack of assets. And while we've seen incredibly strong growth from the platform, they were really only able to bring that one outside asset to the platform, which is the tokenized shares of the St. Regis Aspen Hotel. And while it's a great start and we're excited about it, it hasn't necessarily been enough for the market as the T0 shares have begun to, begun to slide in quarter four following that suboptimal performance uh, and interest of, of that token since August. So that's why Uniswap has been fascinating as Realty has taken full advantage of the ease of listing, completing over 50 security token offerings for real estate properties across Michigan, Ohio, and Florida. And while most of these assets are still in that lockup period, nine have entered the secondary market through Uniswap and have thrived. Fascinating is the word I'd use. I mean, it's been great watching them prove this concept and dominate real estate issuance this year. You know, for the nine that have been successfully listed on Uniswap, how have they been doing? So since listing, the average real estate property issued by Realty is up actually about 11% this year in just equity value. Five of those nine properties were up double digits with two more inching very close to that mark. So as we always note, these properties are paying out double digit dividends on top of that to investors, which does bring your average return to over 20% for the average property in 2020. So you combine that with the institutional drive of T-Zero's platform, leveraging lar you know, large asset values and high trading volumes, and then you bring in that, that retail interest from the real estate and all those other things, as well as interesting assets like Curzio Research or Merge Exchanges Equity. We've seen a very diverse market that is thriving with many bright prospects accelerating the industry's momentum into 2020. 
Uh, One. Yeah, yeah. No, it's just an incredible year of growth and innovation for the security token market. Really, really incredible. Next week, I know we'll be reviewing our predictions from the beginning of the year to see how we, we oh, did on our predictions. That'll be juicy. Uh, and we'll also be selecting our company of the year for making the biggest impact in 2020. But for now, I think we've done a great job giving our wonderful listeners here a breakdown of this year, Kyle. I think so, Herwig. So, I mean, with that, let's wrap up our last episode of the show in 2020. I want to wish everyone a happy new year and remind you that you can reach out to us directly via Twitter and LinkedIn with feedback or questions anytime. And I want to remind you again that the links for any article that we covered on this episode are available in the podcast description. Yeah, thank you so much for all of your love and support listeners throughout this year. We've had a wild ride uh, coming up uh, next year. And meanwhile, be safe out there. Happy New Year. Thanks for listening. And we'll catch you again next week. Mm